Well, guys, I have to come and I have to tell you something that has happened in my life. And I hope you will have grace and love for your associate pastor. I am now the older pastor. I haven't, I haven't passed Paul in age. He's still technically older than I am. But I have acquired a few new hobbies that now make me the older pastor. I started golfing, guys. I started golfing. I went camping. I mean, what in the world? What is happening to me? I drank coffee and read the newspaper. I'm, I'm old, guys. And I don't know if you know this, but I realized today I'm bald. I have no hair. That's a shock. I thought y'all loved me. Y'all could have told me. Now, I, I, I'm learning new things. I, I've, much, you know, to the enjoyment of my wife, I'm, you know, getting new hobbies. Brought home a set of golf clubs. And she goes, oh, no. You know, I'm ready to go camping. She goes, oh, okay. I don't know what's next. We'll see. But I can tell you one thing. Now that I've been camping in a camper, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. I've planned my next five RV trips, and I'm taking all y'all with me. We're going, all of you. That's what I wanted to do. As soon as I got to camp and I was like, man, I want to I wanna take just me and my wife go on a trip. I want to go with my dad somewhere. Oh, with me and my brother could go somewhere. Paul and I could drive the camper across the ocean and go to Israel. I don't know if you guys know this. He's been to Israel. So he knows the way. He would be able to get us there as we drive the RV. When you enjoy something like that, and you feel that, that moment, what's your personality type? Do you want to tell everybody you know and share it with everybody you know? Or do you hold it in and kind of keep it to yourself? Because I know every one of you, and I've heard every good movie or good book you've ever read. Because every time I hear you or see you, you go, hey, have you seen so-and-so? Or have you heard so-and-so? And I hear about it all the time. And people are so eager to share the enjoyment and joy that they bring from different things. But so often, we keep the freedom, love, power, grace, and mercy of the gospel to ourselves. We're so eager to share what show we watched on Netflix. So eager to share what, what new song we've heard or what book we've read. But so often, we forget to tell people who are believers and unbelievers alike the mighty, mighty works that God is doing in our lives. The victory day by day by day by day that we experience through the blood of Christ. Why do we keep that to ourselves? Why do we, why do we hold on to that so dearly? I don't know. I don't know, but I'd like to explore that this morning. 
If you have your Bibles with you and you wouldn't mind to stand for the reading of God's Word, we are in Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 19. When her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, bringing them before the chief magistrates. They said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. You ever seriously disturb somebody with the gospel? Sometimes it seriously disturbs people. It's called conviction. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against them, as crowds often do. And the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So they've been beaten, flogged, stripped naked, thrown in the innermost jail with stocks put around their ankles. And their reaction was praise. Was praise. Singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. Woo! Oh, it's getting good, y'all. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because we're all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his his entire household. Can somebody please say amen? This is a good one. You can be seated. This is a good one. I've talked about this several times, but the Holy Spirit gave me something fresh, a fresh perspective. So, So often we need to ask the Holy Spirit to refresh us, right? Refresh us. There's a little button that says refresh on computer screens so often. Something's going slow and you're wanting something to happen in your life and you just haven't yet asked God to refresh the Holy Spirit in you. Just refresh me, Lord. Set me down. Give me a new perspective. Speak to me in a different way. Let me hear you differently. Let me try something differently to worship you. Let me be refreshed with new anointing. 
pouring over me. Amen. Anybody ever need to be refreshed? Anybody ever just need to say, you know what, God, just refresh me. I've been going over and over and over this, and I feel, I feel like I need something. Will you refresh me? He will. He will. He will remove things in your life and move things into the front so you can see them. He will restore your perspective. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about a restored perspective. We are emerging, right? That's what this series is about. We're emerging victorious. Come on. Emerging victorious. Are you emerging alone? Are you, when you emerge, are you by yourself? Are you standing in victory with just you and the Holy Spirit? Or did you bring people along with you? Did you bring people along with you? And now I'm not talking about the ones that who are already kind of believers, like they want to talk about Scripture, they ask for you to pray for them, the, the, the ones that are easy to go after because they're right there. They're right there ready to make a profession of faith anyway that you just kind of go, yeah, God's real, and, and you just kind of barely speak to them, and they find Jesus anyway. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the ones who are your captors. The prison guards of your life. The people who threw you in jail. Who put you in that bad circumstance. Your dope dealer. Your, 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 all those people. Are we bringing those people along with us? Or are we leaving them to be left on their own devices? I want us to be able to share the gospel with people who it's easy. And people who it's really difficult to. The people who we can't wait to talk to about Jesus. And the people who we are terrified to talk to about Jesus. And I, I know it's not just me. There's people in my life that I'm very hesitant to share the gospel with them because of their reaction. And that's terrible. That's terrible. And it, and it convicts me and it eats me alive every time. But every time I do, I can see something. I can see something planted some bit of power speaking Jesus' name to someone that doesn't want to hear it. A little bit where the ears just kind of open up a little. Where they get to hear that name Jesus a little clearer. And a little clearer. And a little clearer. Now I want us to be able to bring people along with us when we emerge when we emerge through the other side of this, when we emerge victorious, what are we quantifying as victory? Victory for us? Because victory for just the prison guard wasn't just him. His victory was that he and his entire household came to know the Lord. He and his entire household, and everybody in his entire household, everybody that they knew, and everybody that they knew, and everybody that they knew, and so on, and so forth, and so on, and so forth. So if we are sitting on this victory, if we are holding on to the freedom that is Jesus Christ, why are we not shouting it from every rooftop that we possibly can, just screaming to the world how good he is? that there's nothing better, that we want to go deeper in Christ, that we just want to go after him and after him and after him. One of my favorite times of the year is right now. How cool is it to drive down the street and there be fireworks just going off everywhere? 
I think it's awesome. I think it's so neat. Just a, a cool thing that happens every year. We're just driving along, and there's explosions everywhere. It's cool. But it makes me feel a sense of community. A sense of community that we're connected. That we're all celebrating this thing. How incredible is heaven going to be? When we're walking along the streets of gold and we are part of the large community and everyone is celebrating the Holy Spirit, everyone is celebrating King Jesus, everyone is just doing everything that they can. That part of community is up to us to make that grow. We have to share that gospel with everyone. The ones that posted our bail and the ones that called the cops on us. I... It is. I know that's silly. But we, you know, Paul had a great, a great analogy last week where he's in the ICU. Once he receives that, that healing, get up and leave, right? We could do that. Or we could turn around and start healing people at each hospital bed and then all of us leaving and going together. We could have the jail cells of our door fly open and instead of us walk out, lead that guard to Christ, lead the person in the cell next to us to Christ and the next one and the next one and put the jail business out of business because we are bringing up disciples with everything that we do. That's what I want to do. Will y'all help me? Can we put the devil out of business? Let's put the devil out of business. That stuff that we keep talking about not needing to listen to, let's quit listening to it. That stuff that we don't need to be speaking, let's quit speaking it. Let's go soul way all the way through, right? Focus on soulful things, right? Soulful things. Only focused on Christ. Only focused on his love. Only focused on his children. Only focused completely and totally without anything else diluting it 100% my will, your will. My will, your will. Your will, my will. Absolutely. And totally. You know, forgiveness is a hard thing. It's a hard thing. And it's an even harder thing to know that you must forgive so that you can be forgiven. That's a difficult teaching. But it's true. Oh, it's so true. So I want, you to, I want you to really think about this. Church, I want us to focus. I want us to focus for the people that have beat us, flogged us in the street, thrown us in jail. All those things. I'm, I'm speaking figuratively. I'm speaking figuratively. The people who have attacked you. The people who have attacked your family. This one's hard. Mom. This one's even harder, mom and dads. The people who have attacked your children. Could you lead them to Christ? Could you speak in a way that it was not condescending, but out of pure love for that person? It's difficult. But God is calling us to grow. He's calling us to grow, right? So the things that, that are hard Whenever we first become saved and, and, and we are, are set apart and we receive that salvation like Paul said, it happens like that. 
might take us a while to get there. But that's the goal. That's the goal. How many people, and, and let's just be transparent with each other tonight, how many people wish that they were further along in their journey with Christ? I do. I do. Someone thought at some point where several years ago, you know what? By then, I am going to be doing this, and I'll have the entire Bible memorized, and I'm going to receive all this different stuff, and I'm just going to be super preacher man. You know, it doesn't happen like that. But keeping that goal, keeping that sight of what you're going after, keeping Christ right here, focused, going after him, slipping, falling, getting back up, but still going, still going, still going. The heading cannot change. The destination cannot change. We have to set our GPS, right? Our GPS to focus on our arrival. We don't know when it's going to be. But I, I can tell you one thing. I'm trying to take the shortest route there. Let me bypass the traffic. Let me bypass the, the distractions. Let me bypass the news. Let me bypass social media. Let me bypass people who don't have God's interest in my life. I'm, I, I'm focused on you, Jesus. I'm coming after you. I want all of you. And I want to bring everybody with me. I want to bring everybody with me. Not just the ones I want to see in heaven. You hear what I'm saying? Not just the people who I'm inviting to a party because I want them to be there too. Everyone. It is, it, it is his hope not to lose one. Not one. So that person that cuts you off, God's desperately running after them. That person that, that bailed on you in your life, God's desperately running after them. That person that told you that you would never amount to nothing, you would never get off them drugs, you would never be able to do this or nothing, God's desperately running after them too. Desperately. And he could be sending you. He could be sending you specifically to have that grace shown for somebody else. Someone that harmed you or hurt you. And to be able to show them grace and forgiveness and love may be the thing that gets them to come to Christ. It may be the moment that they get to come to know the Lord because you have been created new. Because you're not the same as you were. You're not the same man and father and husband that you used to be. You're not the same wife and mother and sister that you used to be. You're not the same child that you used to be. See, when we are created new, that means we do new things, right? It's like we were talking about last week. Paul said it. If you're still doing the same things, are you different? Are you new? Have you been created new? I've never created anything. I can't build anything. Y'all, I built a table one time. It's, I know, it's pretty funny. You should have seen it, right? It was bad. Like my, my <laughs> JR, you couldn't have done anything with it. My boss asked me to make this table for work. We had some wood. I made it. He said, all right, cool. Now take that thing apart and go sweep over there. Just like, don't even worry about it. Like, that's awful. I've never created anything. 
I can draw a little bit. But I know, I know that I've been created. And that I've been created new. New. And I get to watch my children, my, those boys, I love them to death. But they frustrate me. They frustrate me. And, and, and it's because they're just like me. Appreciate it. They're just like me. But it's amazing to see some of the stuff that happens as they grow. Max walking around, handing out snacks. Couldn't have been happier. Couldn't have been happier doing it. There's some of you that I've seen grow. Grow. And I know that you can tell yourselves now, just thinking right now, all right, me now or me before Jesus. Totally different creation. It's not even the same person. Shouldn't even have the same name. You're new. So now it's our job to do new things. To go after people. To, to try things differently. To try harder. To go and go and go because the prison doors have been flung open in your lives. You are now victorious. You have received freedom. What will you do with that victory? What will you do with that freedom? You turn and tell the very first person that comes in contact with. Prison guard, other prisoner, family member. It doesn't matter. You tell them. And then you tell them again. And you tell them again. And you tell them again. Because it's his hope and desire not to lose one. Not one. The people that you like hanging out with and the people that you forget to invite to the family cookout, even though you're related. Oh, cousin Billy Joe, my bad. I, I forgot. Them too. Go after them all. We have to go after our children, our parents, our brothers, our sisters, the people we work with. The people we haven't seen for 10, 15, 20 years because we had bad blood. It's up to you now to reach out to those people specifically. To go after those people specifically. And tell them how good he is. How good he is. How powerful the blood of Christ is. How vast his mercy is. How enormous and, and all-consuming his grace is. How absolutely and totally fulfilling his love is. It's up to us. It's up to us. You know why? We are the church. And so today we're going to go and we're going to baptize people. We're going to go and we're going to baptize people. We're going to go under the waters of baptism. And when we come out and we go start walking up that hill, I just want to ask you, for the people who have been baptized and the ones being baptized today, who are you bringing with you? Who are you bringing with you? Because I, I, I've got a group that's coming with me. 
When I emerge, I'm not emerging by myself. I will emerge with my family. You, you're my family. And we will bring together everybody that we can. If you don't think that you are able to go after somebody and, 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 and just you be able to be the one that leads them to Christ, grab three people. Grab four people. Grab five people that care about this person, that all know the Lord, and go after that person. There should be nothing that stops us. No social awkwardness, no uh, like offense or, or be scared to just like, offend anybody. None of that matters. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is that we go after every single person that we can and we tell them, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus loves you. Loves you. And when it doesn't work, you go after him again and again and again. If there is anything in your life that I am telling you to do and if it, you fail 150 times, do it 151. Do it. Do it. Because it's what matters. Because it's not just that person. It's them and their entire household. That's what is depending on you sharing the gospel with them. You sharing it with one person and them leading their entire household to know the Lord. One of my favorite things to think about in the world is that I have been discipled by Paul Greider, right? He's discipled me. He's fed into me. But there was somebody that discipled him. And then there was somebody that discipled that person. And then there was somebody that discipled that person all the way into a lineage that leads directly to these disciples. So I've always thought, man, how cool would it be to be one of the, one of the disciples, man? Like one of the... We are the same power that they have, you have. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. So whatever it is that you're afraid of offending or social awkward, none of that matters. None of that matters. You have royal blood pumping through your veins. You have the power of Jesus living inside you. Don't you know that you now are the temple of the living God? Don't you know that? Don't you know whenever you speak to somebody, you are speaking to someone who is housing God the Father in them? Do we think about that when we speak to our wives or our husbands? Do we think about that when we speak to people on the street, people who had different political views than us? Do we think about that whenever we go, you know what? This person has God living inside them. Could very well have the, the temp, they are very well the temple of the living God living in them. You can do it. I don't know who that's for. I don't know who it's for. I, I, I don't know who's sitting here going, I, I, I hear you, Pastor. I know what you're saying, but I can't. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You know why? Because you don't have to. Jesus Christ will do it through you. Just be obedient. Just be willing. They weren't sitting there rattling the cages going, 
Hey, prison guard, let me tell you about Jesus. Hey, hey, hey. Every time he walked by, hey, 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 let me tell you. Hey, 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 let me tell you. No, they weren't hounding him and bothering him. They just lived a life that represented a disciple so much by praising, praying, and just being powerfully in present with God in a jail cell that it was so obvious that these persons were different, had been created new, that they didn't even have to say anything to the prison guard. The prison guard came to them. What do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do to have whatever it is that you have? Because I have to have it. So if you're not actively going after somebody, are you living loud enough? Are you living your faith loud enough that it's going to make somebody come up and go, hey, 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 what is this? And can I have some? That's the goal. Because if we're not living loud enough and people aren't coming up to us, then we need to start going to them. But we have to be able to do both. We have to be able to live and love out loud. We have to be able to live and love our faith out loud to the world. Standing on the rooftops of our lives. Screaming to the world that I am a child of God I have been sanctified, set apart, set free victoriously by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you heard me. I I have been sanctified, set apart, and freed victoriously by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's more people. Hold on. I don't know if you heard me. But I have been sanctified, set apart, set free victoriously by the blood of Jesus Christ. And just in case you didn't hear me, I have been sanctified, set apart, freed victoriously by the blood of Jesus Christ. I do it. I'll sit here and do it the rest of my life. I'll do it one more time. I'll do it ten more times. But it might not be here. It might be on that street. It might be in a parking lot. It might be at a campsite. It might be on a golf course. It might be at the unemployment office. Done it at the Barron County Square. I'm telling you right now. Wherever you are, wherever you go. This sounds real simple, but I want you to hear me when I say it. Wherever you are, wherever you go, physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever website you go to, whatever conversation you go to have, whatever place of business you care to to give your money to, whatever you go to buy, wherever you go see a friend, wherever you travel, take Jesus with you. Take him with you. And if you can't, don't go there. If you can't bring Jesus with you, 
Don't go there. You cannot hang him on a coat rack outside the door. Can't do it. So wherever you go, whatever age that you are, no matter what, no matter what, emerge like you mean it. Emerge victoriously. Don't emerge alone. Bring them with you. Whoever that is, when I just said it, whoever that just came into your mind, that's who you're supposed to bring. You're holding a ticket to the kingdom of heaven with their name on it. You have to take it to them so you can get punched. Wherever you go, wherever you are, he's willing to go with you. Take him with you. And if you can't, don't go there. Because that way leads to death. It's not dramatic. It's true. You can't take Jesus with you. You are heading actively towards death. So bring him with you. He's a good companion to have. Can't imagine living, loving, being anywhere without him. But maybe today is the first day that you decided that maybe you want to take Jesus with you when you leave this place. Well, let me just confirm something. Today's the day. Today's the day. Not tomorrow. Not maybe hopefully one of these people that heard this sermon will come up to me and talk to me about it. No. It's on you now. Because you know about it. You know how good he is. You've seen there's people here that maybe you know that you've seen, man, that person's different. That's a new creation. That's a new thing. It's okay to be the prison guard in this story. Definitely okay to be the prisoner. Whichever side of the bars you're on, though, Christ paid for both of you. He paid for both of you. There's nothing that you've done that is too bad, too so dark and evil that the blood of Christ can't redeem you and set you free in victory today. Nothing. Because that's why he did it. He knew that his blood was the only sacrifice worthy of getting rid of all our junk, all our stuff that he knew we were going to do. You see, Christ knew you were going to do those things and still died and would do it again and again and again and again if it meant, if it meant that you got to know him and you could be created new. It's his desire not to lose one. That's you too.